Welcome to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneurs Podcast. My name is Fergal Byrne. Every week, I talk to inspiring social entrepreneurs and changemakers dedicated to building a better world. Here, they tell their stories, the highs and the lows, and share what they have learned to help other social entrepreneurs and changemakers on their journeys. The consultants uh, that we work with are, are, I think, you know, maybe the strongest part of our whole program. Uh, these are tremendous uh, professionals who are really eager to work with entrepreneurs and, and each consultant will work with about four entrepreneurs over the course of four months. So it's quite personalized. Um, they'll, they'll, they'll put in more than 100 hours of work on every company. Right. So that is also creating a real relationship between the entrepreneur and the consultant. And um, typically the consultant will become you know, really one of the main strategic advisors to the company. Our number one priority right now is to um, make sure that we do the best possible job um, scaling our accelerator program um, in Latin America in partnership with the Inter-American Development Bank. And so we're very focused on execution right now, um, but as part of that, we are also um, designing a new fund, which we're going to roll out this year. And this is a fund that will be focused on um, basically catalyzing investment into companies that are solving the sustainable development goals. I'm very pleased today to introduce Ben Powell. Ben is founder of Agora Partnerships, an organization that provides early stage social entrepreneurs in Latin America with the resources they need to grow, primarily through the Agora Accelerator, a four-month program designed to provide entrepreneurs access to the knowledge, networks, and capital they need to succeed. Since 2011, Agora has supported some 125 companies that have raised $52 million and created 5,000 jobs. 90% of these companies are still operating. Thank you very much, Ben, for taking the time today to speak to Inspiring Social Entrepreneurs. It's a great honor to speak to you about the work that you're doing. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about uh, Agora and uh, your vision and uh, what you've done and plan to do in the future. Thanks, Virgo. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Great. So can you tell me the background to this, uh, to Agora, how you came to, 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 to uh, see this as something that you wanted to do? Sure. Um, it actually started back uh, when maybe about 15, no, maybe 20 years ago when I was trying to figure out what to do with my life and uh, decided to team up with a Mexican friend of mine to build a miniature golf course and a bar in Puebla, Mexico. And um, that was a real adventure for me. And that was my first foray into the world of small business um, and in particular, in Mexico. And so that was an incredible challenge for me, but it was also an exhilarating ride. And we built this miniature golf course. It was successful. And, um, and I saw through that experience, just the sheer power of what entrepreneurship and a good job can, can do for development. And I remember you know, the story that I like to tell about that experience is I remember one day coming into the office in Puebla, Mexico, and uh, and feeling this energy in the room. And our manager ran up to us and said, Ben, have you heard the news? Have you heard the news? 
And I was like, but what's going on? And he said, well, Maribel, who was our cashier, she just, she just got a mortgage and she now has just got an apartment. And, um, and everyone was high-fiving and hugging and Maribel was just beaming. And this was a woman who had worked as a uh, cashier at a discotheque, you know, in the night shift, informal economy, never had a bank account, never had a steady formal job. And she was a wonderful, hardworking woman, is. And, um, and she uh, was able, by virtue of the job that, you know, we had created to open up a bank account, to establish credit history, to get a government subsidized loan to own her own apartment. And she was a single mom. And this for her was an incredibly important moment. And I felt in a small way that, that you know, I had contributed um, to this, you know, wonderful moment in this woman's life. And I felt like I was having more of an impact in the world with this little miniature golf course in Mexico than at my day job at the time, which was working for the White House Office of Management and Budget. And, um, and it just really brought home to me um, the importance of, of innovation and entrepreneurship to economic development and, and to creating opportunities where people can, can thrive and have good dignified jobs and improve their lives. And so I eventually quit my job at the, at the OMB and uh, went to Columbia Business School. And I didn't know exactly what, what I wanted to do. Uh, what, what, was it gonna be a for-profit company? Would it be a fund? Would it be a nonprofit? But I knew that I was very interested in supporting entrepreneurship in Latin America. And uh, I spent pretty much my whole time in business school trying to figure out you know, what, what was the best way to go about that. And um, was very fortunate to have uh, just a lot of really smart people around me uh, to help me think through that issue, to do research, um, had some fantastic professors. Uh, Paul Tierney was one of them, who's the chairman of TechnoServe, who really helped me think about how we might be able to use capital uh, to support small businesses. And that's really where the idea was crystallized, you know, in that business school environment, um, really trying to figure out how do we blend um, the discipline of, of investment and business with the, you know, imperative to uh, create sustainable economic development in, you know, very poor uh, communities. Right, right. So what is Agora Partners? What do you do? So we, we think of ourselves as, um, as a system building organization that is focused on driving capital and support to entrepreneurs who are solving social problems um, all throughout Latin America. And uh, we do that uh, in a variety of ways. We have a number of programs. Our signature program is, uh, is our accelerator program. And uh, what we do there is identify high potential entrepreneurs, basically get them investment ready, connect them with, with investors and supporters and uh, help them to, um, to grow their businesses. Right. And how many 
people do you take in this accelerator? What's the process? How do they uh, hear of you? How do you find them? And can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So um, maybe I'll just say before getting into that, we we didn't just create the accelerator out of a vacuum. We um, when we started, we we launched a, a venture fund. Uh, we call it a fund. It was a half a million dollar uh, pool of capital that we raised from individual investors and a Dutch foundation to invest in early stage, seed stage companies in Nicaragua. <coughs> and we learned a lot from that experience. And based on that experience, we we figured out there was a, a, a couple of real challenges that, um, that we couldn't uh, overcome on our own. And primarily, the challenges were from a fund perspective, there just was not enough uh, investment-ready deals. Uh, it was very difficult for us to find deals, uh, and then you could find uh, potential entrepreneurs who were solving social problems, but they needed tremendous amounts of help and support. And so it was very difficult just to find and source deals. Huge, huge challenge. Um, we could find and source talent, but deals that were ready to go to invest in was much harder. Why is and the that? Second, why is that? Why, why, well, I think it was because, um, you, you know, we were dealing just in Nicaragua. So my uh, co-founder, Ricardo Teran, is Nicaraguan, and we, we really started Agora as a, uh, as a bicultural organization with headquarters, you know, with kind of headquarters in D.C., the, you know, the capital of the world's most powerful country, and um, and in Managua, Nicaragua, which is the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. And so we, we grew up with this kind of dual identity, uh, uh, part of which is thinking big picture macro system change, <clears throat> and the other is thinking, how do we really help entrepreneurs on the ground in the context that they're living in? And, um, and so I think in Nicaragua, there just were not that many uh, companies and we were new. And so we hadn't quite built all of the partnerships and relationships um, to really begin to source the best companies. And, um, and then we had some pressure once we had created the fund to start investing, even though it took us a while because we were trying to be as cautious as we could. It took us a while to make those first investments. Um, and, um, and then the second, so that, that, that was like the real problem of pipeline, just a small market. And then the challenge was some of the companies that uh, were doing really well, they needed additional investment. And we didn't have, at that point, any other co-investors. Like this was very early days in the impact investing scene. Uh, we launched the fund uh, in 2006. And, um, and so we found that also very problematic. And so we decided, we had a big decision really, which was, and we made this decision in 2010, you know, do we try to create a real fund, like $20 million fund that had um, dedicated management team that was really focused on uh, making returns for investors and basically say, hey, we're investors, that's, that's what we are. Or do we say, well, um, you know, ultimately we're a social enterprise, fo nonprofit focused on how do you create 
strong ecosystems uh, to support entrepreneurship. So maybe uh, we instead focus on developing that pipeline of entrepreneurs that are ready to scale, that are ready for investment, and we leave the actual investing to others. Because, you know, like many, like many entrepreneurs, we had huge dreams, and we still do, but we try to take a huge bite out of the apple. You know, let's build an ecosystem, let's build an organization, let's uh, create a fund, and let's do it all with no money, and just by dint of hard work and sheer determination, we're going to somehow make it all work. And I'm very proud of what we accomplished in those days, and I really think that we have, um, you know, we have, we have punched above our weight. But at the end of the day, we had just taken on way more than we could handle. And, um, and we weren't able to focus on just one or two things to do it really well. And so we started, we decided, okay, let's, let's actually try to fix this problem of uh, lack of pipeline. And, um, and, you know, on the theory that the impact investing industry was quickly coalescing and it was very clear that there was a huge appetite among investors to allocate capital differently, that there was a hunger for that and that there wasn't going to be a problem of capital. Um, the, the bigger problem was to actually find those deals that were capable of absorbing capital. Right. And right. so that is what we have. That's what the accelerator is basically about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although it's I would say it's, it's bigger than that because, you know, entrepreneurs, they need capital, but they need a lot more than capital. Right. Yeah. So capital is not it, it's not the panacea. Um, it's just the first step. Yeah. And so we've put a lot of time into trying to figure out how do you build a strong entrepreneur community? That um, that facilitates success. Yes. That makes it easier for entrepreneurs to make better decisions, to connect with the right people, to um, to develop, you know, self mastery and manage stress, um, but also to be able to take a step back, slow down, and look at their business with fresh eyes. And, right. Uh, right. I think that is the that is actually what the accelerator does probably yes. the best uh, that's probably the best thing it does yes yes well we can talk about the accelerator maybe in more detail in a moment but can you talk about uh ecosystem and what what, what is it and what does a good one look like and this is an area i know of growing interest um i, I think there's a lot happening in this uh world at the moment and uh, clearly you know you've been uh at the forefront in a sense because it's been unfolding in time and you've been at it for a little bit as well so can we maybe talk a little bit about that yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's certainly something that I've grown to appreciate more as I've been in this business. Uh, and, um, you know, you know, you can use the, the metaphor of the garden, right? You know, we're, we're trying to figure out how we as, as a society can more effectively allocate resources to people and teams that can turn resources, whether it's money, or social capital, or human capital, but that can take those resources and turn it into a scalable solution that is creating social change for that community or right. the world. Right. That that is so that is a huge and, and sort of abstract challenge. Yes. But but um, 
but you can you can concretize it, you know. Um, so in our particular industry, um, you have some key actors. Um, I, I actually, you know, at Agora, we think of having four really key actors that have to we have to create value for all of them or our model collapses. And that is number one, the entrepreneur, uh, number two, um, investors, number three, uh, funders and partners who, who contribute resources and strategic support to our organization. And lastly, our own team, um, which uh, it's very easy to kind of forget that you have to take care of your team because you want to be able to build the best possible team you can and attract the best talent. So those are the four actors that we look at. There are obviously other actors, you know, in the in the ecosystem. There's obviously government, there's corporations, there's universities, and there's a whole, in, you know, policy environment um, to deal with as well. But I think that the the central challenge is in 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 our very specific industry, which is basically how do you get, which is early stage companies solving social problems, and the challenge there is that there is very high friction costs between investors and entrepreneurs. So it is very difficult if you're an investor to invest because the transaction costs are high, the search costs are high, the risks are high, exits are very unclear, and there's frankly just not enough information flowing through the system uh, to make investors feel that they can make good decisions with enough information. And, um, and so when, when I talk about you know, how to build the ecosystem, you know, I'm really talking about how do we surface information and get it to the right people, um, number one. And number two, how do we actually build trust among these different actors? Because it's very difficult to have a functioning marketplace if there's no trust. And uh, we are building a market. Everything is new. And, uh, and so that requires, you know, I think a different way of interacting with um, the different players. And it requires getting to know people and doing retreats and opening up a little bit so that people really understand what... Um, what their partner's true motivations are so that we can align incentives uh, in a more optimal way that ultimately will drive more capital, more resources uh, to, to entrepreneurs and ultimately make the whole ecosystem uh, stronger and as a result, make ourselves as a planet more resilient and more yes. effective yes. and efficient Yes. you know, in, in organizing ourselves to address these huge challenges that, that, you know, we're already facing. Right, right. When you say align incentives, what do you mean there? Well, for example, um, you know, if you're an investor, um, you know, you want to you wanna really understand, um, well, let me put it this way. There are lots of different investors out there and they have different incentives. Some are purely profit maximizing. Some are looking for some kind of blended return. Um, and so you want to make sure that you're connecting um, the right kind of capital with the entrepreneur's needs. And, um, you know, one of the challenges uh, in, in the early stage space with smaller companies 
is that um, most companies don't actually need a lot of money. You know, maybe they need 50,000, 100,000, you know, maybe half a million. The problem is many investors really don't want to invest such small amounts um, for some of the reasons I mentioned before. You know, the, the transaction costs relative to deal size are very high. And so it's really hard to make money as an investor if you're making lots and lots of $50,000 bets, um, certainly given the current structure of how deals are done. And so, um, so, so figuring, so as a result, often entrepreneurs will get more money than they actually need. And we, we made this mistake ourselves with the Agora Venture Fund with a couple of our deals. And um, basically, the entrepreneur needed really $20,000, and we invested 100000 And that was in part because of fund economics and, um, and just wanting to make a bigger bet and have a bigger stake. Uh, but, but in retrospect, that was the wrong decision. So, you know, aligning incentives is just really about making sure everybody knows what the ultimate objective is, what that looks like, and that that fits everybody's needs. And in particular with funders, this is where it gets tricky because funders, um, rightly are looking at, um, you know, quantifiable results, and very focused on that, you know, as they should be. Um, but a lot of the connective tissue and the social capital that you need to build in order to build a functioning market or, or a vibrant ecosystem, um, all of that is in effect uh, off the balance sheet of, um, of social enterprises and is not something that many funders appreciate or understand in part because it is difficult to quantify. And that is, that is you know, to some degree on us as, um, as kind of entrepreneurs trying to build these systems to do a better job of communicating the tangible impact uh, of, um, of building trust and building social capital within an ecosystem. Um, but if you as a funder don't care about that, uh, you are going to be very focused. You're going to kind of force um, the organization to just focus on the numbers. And my experience has been that, you know, it's very easy to, you know, pump up your numbers if that's what um, the funder really wants. But pumping up your numbers, uh, you know, you know, touching more people, all that kind of stuff doesn't necessarily lead to any lasting change. And, uh, and so that you can have a misalignment of incentives if you are focused on system change and actually changing mindsets and changing behavior and changing the way actors interact in a system so that they can do business together and create change together. If that's your focus, um, but the focus of the funder is um, how many seminars were delivered, how many entrepreneurs received your training. If it's, if it's a numbers game for the funder, then, um, then, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be taken away. Your mission is going to drift to what the funder wants. So, so all of that is to say that, you know, in the ideal situation, incentives, everyone is working towards the same goal, but different actors, uh, you know, care about different pieces of it. But right, um, right. but altogether, it's 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 the same vision. Right, right. So you talk about mission drift. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Well, you know, Mission Drift is um, is a uh, challenge that every uh, you know nonprofit, you know, founder or CEO, you know, has to tackle at some point. And and sometimes it's good to drift your mission a little bit if you want to expand your mission or if you see your mission as as bigger than what it was initially. But I think that um, you know there are so many challenges that you have to develop expertise in a couple of areas. Um, and if you try to be too expansive and solve too many problems, um, then you're going to confuse people and you're never going to create um, that real expertise um, that that will give you the credibility to um, to to create more partnerships. And right. yeah. that really drives value for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. So what's the scale of your activity at the moment then? Well, um, we are. We, I'm really happy to say that we um, have created this great partnership with the Inter-American Development Bank, uh, and they are partnering with us to scale our accelerator program throughout Latin America um, over the next three years. So um, over the last five years, we've worked with about 25 to 30 companies a year through our accelerator program. And this year, we're, we're going to double that to 50 to 60. Uh, we're going to have two cycles. And, um, and then, you know, next year, we may even increase that. Uh, so our scale is uh, we have 125 companies that have gone through the program. Uh, and uh, we, we have offices, uh, just to give you a sense of kind of where we are, our headquarters are in D.C. Um, and then... We have a big office in Managua and then an office in Mexico City. And then every year we have fellows who come. So we'll have seven fellows uh, who are arriving uh, in just a couple weeks uh, for training in Mexico City. And then they will be, um, they will be placed in uh, Bogota and uh, I think uh, Buenos Aires and Managua and Mexico City. And, um, and they will perform a lot of the consulting uh, from those bases. Uh, and uh, a lot of the consulting is done virtually after uh, entrepreneurs come to our retreat. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And um, can you tell me a little bit about the accelerator, the, how it's structured? Sure. So um, we, we are looking to find basically the best companies we can in Latin America that are solving a social and environmental problem. Um, typically, they come into the program with about $100,000 in revenue. Um, some are bigger, some are smaller, uh, but these are uh, viable companies that have sales, have employees, but need uh, support to get to the next level. And um, we have a pretty rigorous application process, and, um, and we winnow it down, and then uh, we invite um, uh, the successful candidates to join the program. The program has a, a cost. It's not that much. It's um, around a thousand dollars, and um, that cost is is heavily subsidized by our funders. Um, and our funders are people who believe that um, an intermediary organization like ours uh, can be extremely helpful in um, helping these companies to uh, grow. And um, and of course the you know the argument is that uh, a little bit of philanthropic support to our organization enables the uh, companies 
to access all kinds of uh, resources and, and investment to grow their business and create social impact. Right. So once the companies get to the retreat, it's a it's a week retreat. We focus on um, on uh, individual leadership. We we talk about the impact investing industry, and we talk about you know your intention and purpose as a um, as a as an entrepreneur and a leader. And um, we go through the business model canvas. Uh, we use that methodology as um, as kind of the the spine or backbone of of our consulting approach and um, after that week which is usually very transformative and um and, and impactful we certainly hope so on the entrepreneur the entrepreneur will go back and um to their business and they'll spend about well they'll spend about four months working with the consultant uh going through 12 different modules that we have in our program and the consultant will tailor the modules based on the needs of the business. So we recognize that, you know, no, no, no two businesses are the same. So we have what I would call a flexible methodology that really tries to force the entrepreneur to engage in conversations um, about strategic issues that they might Otherwise, you know, not have time to do or not have uh, the right people, you know, to to talk to about. And so um, after that period is done, we have a um, well, I'll say we have a, a diagnostic phase and then we have a phase where we're really working through the issues, coming up with what are the needs of the business? How much capital? What kinds of capital for what? Why? What is that case? And then. The third part of the program is once we figure out that piece, how do we communicate that to potential investors and supporters? And, uh, and so we will help the entrepreneur with pitch decks and investment memos. Um, we will help them with financial modeling. Uh, the consultants uh, that we work with are, are I think, you know, maybe the strongest part of our whole program. Uh, these are tremendous uh, professionals who are really eager to work with entrepreneurs and, and each consultant will work with about four entrepreneurs over the course of four months. So it's quite personalized. Um, they'll, they'll, they'll put in more than a hundred hours of work on every company. Right. So that is also creating a real relationship between the entrepreneur and the consultant. And um, typically the consultant will become, you know, really one of the main strategic advisors to the company. And, uh, and sometimes they've even become board members afterwards of the company. So, um, so, and then at the end of the program, we will work to make actual connections with investors. And we will also put on um, investment roundtables and, and demo days and, and these kinds of yes, events yes. where, you know, you're, you're pitching and then you're having a conversation and we're there to follow up. And um, and to you know act as a as a as a liaison you know and, and an advisor between the entrepreneur and the investor. Right. Uh, right. It's all about greasing the wheel uh, so that we can make it easier uh, and and eliminate some of the friction in this very difficult job. I mean, impact early stage impact investors have an extremely difficult job, and so we are trying to also make it easier for them and to understand what their needs are. Uh, so that we can create 
you know, a better product and service that helps these two groups to come to terms, you know, faster and more effectively. Right. That's very interesting. Can you talk a little bit about the uh, challenges that the entrepreneur faces in terms of trying to understand what kind of capital they need, what kind of funding, not just the, uh, the, 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 the sums of money involved, but how that could or should be structured. It's obviously a very big question and uh, depends on, on various different factors. But are there a couple of things you observe about how entrepreneurs uh, you know, find this a challenge? I think the biggest challenge is figuring out how much money do they actually need and who do they want to partner with? Um, so do you want to, do you want equity? Um, if you want equity, what kind of investor are you looking for? And do you really need equity and why do you need equity? Um, you know, those kinds of questions are the ones that, that, um, that you can't just come up with, you know, overnight, you need to really think about it and think about your long-term intention, your long-term plan, um, is this smart capital? Uh, is it strategic capital? Um, you know, you, there's all kinds of trade-offs around um, the type of money and then the cost of that capital. So some capital is much more expensive than others, but may also provide more benefit. So, you know, many entrepreneurs, they, they're not investment bankers, you know, right? In fact, it's a very different mentality. So they need help in navigating this. And, and, um, and, and I, I hope that um, they see our consultants as trusted advisors to, to help them do that. Right. It, it, when you mention um, uh, smart capital and strategic capital, what do you mean there? Ben? Well, I mean, um, you know, smart capital, strategic capital is, you know, capital where the investor is adding more than just their check. They're adding strategic advice, relationships, uh, connections with potential uh, customers, you know, that kind of thing. Right, right. And you also help them raise uh, grant funding. We do. We do. Um, we actually um, work as a pass-through entity. So uh, some companies will find investors who... Um, who want, would, prefer, would prefer to give them a grant, uh, maybe to get to the next level. And, um, and so we, we offer our services as, as a pass-through entity so that the uh, you know, funder can, can fund us and then we pass the money back to the entrepreneur. So right. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you talk about uh, investment readiness and what that means and a little bit about the journey that you see your entrepreneurs go through uh, to, to become investment ready that you help them? Yeah, um, and, you know, and I think investment readiness, you know, it has two sides. One is, is the entrepreneur ready and, um, and then is the investor ready? And so for the entrepreneur to be ready, they, they really have to understand the vision of the company, where it's going and how the money that they're asking for will uh, add value and create value in the company. And so that process just takes a very long time. Um, and that's pretty much it from an entrepreneur's perspective. Now, from an investor's perspective, they, they don't intuit or it's harder for them to intuit uh, exactly how this money is going to create value. Maybe they, they get it, but they also want lots and lots of, um, of uh, 
information about the actual company, you know, and because uh, they don't want to get ripped off. And so there is a whole diligence uh, process that investors go through. Um, and that diligence process is typically quite onerous. And for many entrepreneurs, it's just paperwork and it's exhausting. And, um, and most entrepreneurs have no idea how much information investors are going to ask. And it's not like impact investors ask less information than, you know, more traditional investors. Uh, so, in fact, they often, you know, ask for more information because they also want to understand quantitatively how uh, impact is created and measured. And, um, and so creating, you know, diligence folders for investors, which is one of the services that we offer, that dramatically lowers the, the time uh, and, um, and cost for investors to, um, to, to, to go down the rabbit's hole of, uh, of maybe, you know, negotiating a deal with the entrepreneur. Because what impact investors, especially early stage impact investors, do not have is, is time. They just don't have time to go down, um, you know, different paths that then end up uh, leading nowhere because the entrepreneur just doesn't have the information that, that you know, the, the uh, investor needs. And so we've seen a lot of deals, um, especially in the early days, fall apart because of that. And so one of the things that we try to do is, is help facilitate just that, um, uh, that uh, transfer of information. And part of that is what investment readiness is all about. It, you know, it means you as an entrepreneur, you know what the money is for, and you are you are capable of absorbing the money, um, and your and your organization is capable of absorbing the money and putting it to good use. And then on the investor side, you have the information that you need in order to make um, a decision. Right. What advice then would you give entrepreneurs that don't uh, manage to make it onto your uh, accelerator program that are looking for money? Well, I I think. Um, I, I think that the first advice would be to, if, if it's really hard for you to raise money because you have, you know, if you don't have connections or you're just feeling like, I don't know how I'm going to raise money, um, my advice would be to continue to focus on the million things in the business that you can change and can affect because you can certainly grow a successful business without, you know, a lot of outside capital. So you need to um, strengthen your uh, muscles around, you know, how do you be super efficient? How do you create really motivated workforce? Um, how do you create just a really incredible environment where, you know, people, you know, can express their creativity, can thrive and can be more productive. So there's a lot of ways of increasing productivity um, on labor as opposed to just using capital to increase productivity. Um, so that would be my, my main advice. But if you really need money and, you, um, and you're not in an accelerator program, you know, what I would probably do is um, you know, start networking like crazy, talk to banks, um, try to explain to them the, um, your vision and where you're going and get them excited and get them to believe in you. And then you begin to build that network, you begin to build that trust, and you begin to, to demonstrate a track record, 
And that is going to open up opportunities. You know, most companies don't go through accelerators. Um, so it's not like you need an accelerator to be successful. But I do think that if you don't have a lot of access to the right networks, um, what, what a good program uh, can do is uh, accelerate, you know, you know, the time it takes you to get to those doors that if, if, you, get, if you can go through that door, you know, you will be able to really grow your business. And so, you know, I, I think that accelerators actually are going to increasingly play a very important role in making this whole market much more efficient. And, and it's probably a very, very good investment for uh, entrepreneurs. And how would you characterize the, the lay of the land with respect to funders in, in Latin America? Big question, but um, you've probably seen uh, more capital come into the market. Um, a, few, a few noticeable trends. Well, I think, um, you know, Latin America in particular, uh, there is a lot of interest in impact investing and in entrepreneurship. It, it's, a, it's a pretty entrepreneurial region to begin with, um, and it, it's kind of had to be. Um, so uh, unlike, you know, some other areas in the world, it's, it's fertile ground in, um, in Latin America. You know, one of the challenges in Latin America is that it's a very divided society, a uh, very unequal society. And so... You know, you're seeing tremendous uh, social innovation and entrepreneurship at the um, you know upper level. The highly educated uh, Latins are doing all kinds of amazing stuff, um, but at the um, at the lower level, you know, it, it, it's partly cultural, but it's also just a lack of, of networks and a lack of um, uh, uh, to some degree a lack of a of, of vision of what's possible. Um, and so I think there there is funding coming in, but you know funding has been very difficult. There there isn't a lot of funding. Um, there's a lot of bootstrapping. Um, I think that's actually made the um, the the sort of social entrepreneurship movement pretty resilient in Latin America because it, it hasn't been inundated with lots of of money. But it's also very different in different countries. Um, so you know Mexico. Uh, you know, Chile, you know, these are countries with pretty vibrant um, social enterprise ecosystems. Um, still a very long way to go, but at least there is a community there. Uh, Colombia, uh, again, you know, growing very quickly. Um, and I'm extremely bullish on Colombia as a, as a country where you're going to see a tremendous amount of uh, social entrepreneurship activity in the future. Uh, and you'll see, you know, a lot of investment, and and they've actually, um, in a very short period of time, been able to generate a lot of local resources uh, to support the industry. And the same in Mexico, um, you know, Compartamos, uh, microfinance bank IPO'd, and um, a number of the lead leading investors uh, from Compartamos created something called Promotora Social Mexico, which is a great. Um, organization focused on building the social enterprise ecosystem in Mexico. And, um, and, and so, you know, it's, it's no longer, you know, kind of outside investors coming in to, uh, you know, impose our ideas on Latin America. It's, you know, a, a increasingly globalized market. There's tremendous um, 
connection and and um, and relationships between you know North America and South America, and I see that trend um, accelerating. Um, I, I hope it will accelerate. I, I think, um, but and I think it I think it will. Right, right. And what about Ben? For you, what have been some of the biggest challenges, or one or two challenges, maybe? I, I know we're we're coming to the end of the, the podcast now. Just wondering what have been you know particular challenges that you've had to face on your journey. Sure. Um, many, you know, many, think, many. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where to begin? Where to begin? Um, you know, I, I think uh, the biggest challenge that we've had from a business perspective is figuring out our business model. And, um, and you know, it's, 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 it's difficult because um, we're trying to build a market. Um, we're trying to deliver service and, you know, um, a sense of community and a sense of belonging uh, that will help entrepreneurs to really shift their mindset. And we're trying to build a brand uh, because if you have a brand, then everything becomes easier and your friction costs get lower and you can scale. And so we're, we're trying to do many things um, that I think are really needed in the ecosystem. Um, but you have to get each of those things paid for. And so you, you got to figure out you know, how can I create a product that I can take to a funder that's compelling to them? And, um, and we're getting closer to that, you know, um, but that has been kind of a constant struggle is really what is that value proposition to a big funder that um, will allow them to come in and say, wow, um, this is really exciting. I, I want to support you. And, um, and I would say that we're getting closer to that. And I think this year we're going to come out with some really exciting uh, new new ideas and campaigns, um, but that that business model is always a challenge um, when you basically have you know a different one group that you're providing value to and then another group that's actually paying you, and so figuring out how to create more earned income, diversify our revenue streams, um, so that we can continue to grow, and why do we need to do that? Because um, we're in a really fortunate place. There's so many incredibly talented uh, people out there who want to help entrepreneurs and, and have a systems, you know, approach. And they're looking for opportunities to, to take their talent to make a difference. And I think that, and I hope that we can really be one of those organizations that attracts those kind of folks. And I think we do. I'm really proud of our team. Um, but, you know, in order to do that um, really well, you know, you need uh, to to convince people that that this is an organization that is growing and growing and growing and that there's real career opportunities. And I think you have many, many um, social enterprises and accelerators that are very early stage or they're pretty precarious. And um, and so you have just a couple founders and, you know, one or two other folks. But to build an organization that um, that, you know, that doesn't need the founder that is very strong, um, that has really, you know, smart people with the right skill sets, that just takes uh, a tremendous amount of energy and resources. And it's always difficult to, you know, find that unrestricted funding of people who, who would treat us in the way that they would treat a for-profit company. And I think that, um, you know, I've been very fortunate to participate in a number of wonderful, you know, programs like uh, Ashoka and Draper Richards Kaplan, 
um, that have you know provided resources and a community. Um, but I have to say that um, there is not a lot of real venture philanthropy going into building um, system building institutions. And, um, and there's more of that. And I think funders are really beginning to appreciate uh, how important um, system building organizations are. But um, it's, it's still a pretty small pool. And so, you know, we're thinking about how we can, you know, expand and, and to some degree break out of the, the kind of social entrepreneurship world, because I see ourselves as being about economic development. And, um, and economic development is not just something that I worry about in Latin America. It's, you know, in the United States, we have a huge, huge challenge. And we have many entrepreneurs, you know, who are underserved and, and, and not getting the resources that they need. And, um, and so this is like a global issue, global problem. And, um, you know, the business model for an impact accelerator is totally different than for let's say a Y Combinator or traditional accelerator program that is looking really to bet on a couple of unicorns that will IPO and that's where most of the returns will be. You know, we're not looking necessarily to invest in the next Google, although I would love to. We're looking to invest in companies that can create 50, 100, 200 jobs um, and return profit to investors. And that's where we see uh, we see there being a, a real opportunity to create change if you can activate those entrepreneurs. Um, but traditional business models for for-profit accelerators don't, um, don't quite match with the needs uh, that these entrepreneurs have. Right. So at the one time you're helping the entrepreneurs, but you're dealing with a pretty similar type of problem yourself, challenges. Exactly. Building exactly. business models, uh, working out, communicating to different kinds of investors and making sure that, you know, you can build relationships with people who will be able to, you know, support you as you grow. Exactly. No, exactly. So, so uh, finally then, Ben, what, what's your vision then for the next five years for Agora? Well, our, our number one priority right now is to um, make sure that we do the best possible job um, scaling our accelerator program um, in Latin America in partnership with the Inter-American Development Bank. And so we're very focused on execution right now. Um, but as part of that, we are also um, designing a new fund, which we're going to roll out this year. And this is a fund that will be focused on um, basically catalyzing investment into companies that are solving the sustainable development goals. Uh, every company we work with is, um, is working on one or more of the uh, sustainable development goals. And all of them will have metrics that they will be reporting on in terms of how they're solving the goal. And so we're going to create a fund that um, is designed to invest in the companies that we know, because um, we've gotten to know them, that, that where we feel like we have conviction that they are good investments and, and will create impact. And, and then the hope is that with our investor network, which we have created and which we're growing, that we will be able to bring in co-investment. And you know, many of the challenges that we had identified with our very first fund in 2006, we think this new fund coupled with a robust accelerator program 
we'll be able to to solve um, to solve those problems. Um, and then, you know, we're we're also interested in potentially expanding into other regions uh, of the world. Um, so, you know, my my real vision is, I mean, I, you know, when you think about like inspiration, I think um, to me the patron saint of social entrepreneurship is Benjamin Franklin. And um, I think he was the, he, he exemplifies the, um, the spirit of, uh, of innovation uh, for uh, the common good. And it's an attitude, it's a mindset. And, um, and so when I think of, of our vision, I don't exactly know where we're going. You know, I want to build a strong, robust ecosystem that supports entrepreneurship that makes it easier as a society for us to invest in people who are making the world better. And so that, that is also what Franklin, you know, that was his mindset. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to take that, uh, and, um, and take that vision and run with it and build partnerships, um, you know, create coalitions, you know, bring in as many groups as possible, be as inclusive as we can be. And, and our, our community of entrepreneurs is very representative of Latin America. We're 50-50 men, women. We have about 8% entrepreneurs from indigenous backgrounds. We have entrepreneurs who went to Stanford Business School. We have some entrepreneurs who didn't you know, go to college. And, and we're trying to create a community um, that can help each other and support each other, even if it doesn't all have the same background because if you are an entrepreneur, that that's a brotherhood, that's a sisterhood. And, um, and so to the extent that we can support that ethos of inclusive entrepreneurship focused on solving social problems, partner with all these great organizations that are out there, you know, B Corps, all these groups that are also focused on this and help coordinate that movement, drive that movement forward co-create um, and ultimately uh, make it as easy, you know, as easy as going on Kiva and investing in an entrepreneur, you know, making a no, no interest loan. Well, I would be able, I would love to be able to do that with Agora. So, you know, whether it's our website or another website, you know, anyone, anywhere should be able to invest uh, in entrepreneurs who are making the world better. And to do that, you, you need more than just the technology and the platform, you, you need to actually have that ecosystem that is in fact surfacing and nurturing, cultivating, supporting those entrepreneurs. And when you're in our program, you, you're always in our program. So, so you don't just graduate and you're gone. You can continue to get services that you pay for at a very low rate um, that can help you to, to grow your business. And so I, I guess, yeah, my vision is to just kind of continue doing what we're doing, um, building this fund, building partnerships, and, um, and, and, and contributing, along with many, many others, to a, a more robust ecosystem that supports entrepreneurs. A very exciting vision, Ben, and I wish you the very best of success with Agora in the future. And thank you so much for sharing the great work that you've done and your vision and insights uh, with inspiring social entrepreneurs today. Uh, well, thank you so much, Virgo. It was a, a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for listening to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneur podcast. I hope you found this interview inspiring. 
please make sure to visit www.inspiringsocialentrepreneurs.com and subscribe to make sure you don't miss any future podcasts.